Welcome to In Conversation with Our Food Future, the podcast series that's following the creation of a regional circular food economy here in Guelph, Wellington. I'm David Messer, manager of the Circular Opportunity Innovation Launchpad and host of today's podcast. On today's show, we're exploring opportunities and challenges of becoming a circular food business. Our guests come from the world of food sustainability, local, organic, and sustainable farming. So let's pull our chairs around the kitchen table and get the conversation started. With us today, we have John Dashinsky, Dana Thatcher, and Kristen Cooper. John Dashinsky is the Executive Vice President at Provision Coalition, a Guelph-based firm helping food companies all over the country make food more sustainably. Dana Thatcher, together with her husband, own and operate Thatcher Farms, butcher, shop, bakery, and farm market. They farm on 140 acres, owned, and another 350 rented where they grow crops and raise livestock. Kristen Cooper is the Director of Corporate Strategy and Sustainability for Yorkshire Valley Farms, an organic poultry farm based in Ontario. She leads the company's ESG initiatives, along with overseeing corporate culture and community engagement. John, uh, Dana, and Kristen, thank you so much for joining us on In Conversation with Our Food Future today. Just to start, I guess, Dana and, and Kristen, um, could you tell us a little bit about your companies and, and what made you take the journey to become more circular food businesses? So maybe, uh, maybe Dana, do you want to start? For sure. Uh, so I'm Dana Thatcher, and my husband and I own and operate Thatcher Farms. We're just east of Guelph, Ontario. And um, we started a business out of my husband's love for agriculture and my love of people. And we married that and created a butcher shop, bakery, and on-farm market where we could uh, welcome guests and customers to the farm to purchase our homegrown meats and, um, and also to experience a working farm. And the, the circularity issue um, is big for us. We want things to be um, recoverable, sustainable, uh, all the things that will create kind of a lasting legacy on our family farm. Um, and not that our children have to be involved on a family farm, but um, that option will present itself, whether it's to our children or someone else's children, that land will be there, there for them. Perfect. Um, and Kristen, how about you? Do you want to give us a bit of an uh, intro on, um, on Yorkshire Valley? Um, yeah, so I'm with Yorkshire Valley Farms. Uh, the company's about 10 years old. I've been around for more than half of that journey. Um, it's an organic poultry producer based here in Ontario. Uh, and our products have been organic since day one. And I think that's been a big part of how circularity has actually kind of been in our mindset, um, if not, you know, as directly using that language sort of since the beginning. So I think that that awareness of kind of impact on planet and communities has been part of our values or our, our DNA. But this this journey to kind of get more circular um, has allowed us to think kind of beyond just organic and how those agricultural practices impact. But how do we think about that in terms of, you know, uh, our people, our processes, um, the way that we operate, the communities that we impact? So kind of kind of take the same principles that have always been in that agricultural aspect and look at them from a broader business perspective. And I think, you know, the circular approach really captures that notion. And so this idea of taking something we were already doing, but kind of doing more of it and trying to look more broadly is what really made circularity appeal to us. Yeah. So, so I guess for both of you, it's not just about, you know, 
efficiency or materials then when you think about what it means to be circular? You kind of both define it more broadly. Um, John, maybe I'll maybe I'll pull you in on this then. Um, you work with businesses all across the spectrum. Um, how do you kind of define a circular business and how do you find the businesses you work with sort of think about circularity? Yeah, that's a great question, David. Thank you. So when we talk about circularity, what we're really talking about is regeneration. Um, and, and when you say regenerative ag, I suppose that's the kind of, it's become a bit of a buzzword. People understand what, uh, people are beginning to understand what regenerative agriculture might look like. It's, yeah. Um, but really regeneration is, um, at the heart of circularity. And as Christian was saying, you know, that, that means not just your inputs and your outputs, but it means your people, your processes. If you think about a field as a natural system being in interconnection with all sorts of other pieces of the ecosystem, and uh, the, the, a business is the same. A business is in an ecosystem with other businesses. Um, it's got systems, um, natural systems within it. It's people, the way it works, how it procures the inputs, what it does with its products, how it engages its customers and its suppliers in being part of something bigger and standing for something more. So it's all of these things coming together to create something that is going to regenerate the system that the business operates in. Yeah. So, I mean, a few times we've mentioned, you know, circularity as a label. And uh, I guess I, I just asked all of you, to what extent, from your perspective, sort of in the more agricultural side, do you see circularity as something new? Or is it just a continuation, an expansion, a, a rebranding of a lot of things that have been going on for a long time? I mean, I think it's interesting that you yeah, you use that. I, I don't think it's new by any means. I mean, John already alluded to it. Nature has been circular forever. Um, we're just, you know, trying to, I think, take that model. I think we got into a period of a very linear approach, which was kind of, you know, produce, consume, dispose. And then we stopped. We stopped wondering what happened after dispose. And we stopped sort of feeling responsible for that. But I think what's really nice and certainly what's been appealing to us about circularity is being able to actually see that through and beyond when it leaves our hands, still having a role in figuring out what happens to it, still having a role in stewarding it, still encouraging people to be conscious of that. And that, that circularity label has probably just given us the language to have a conversation that's overdue, but the philosophy is, is certainly not new. Dana, do you want to I would agree in? with that. Um, I mean, as farmers, we have been looking at ways to reduce our carbon footprint for for many, many, many years. And um, I think the the next key step for us as a business is really in the education of our consumers and our employees. Um, so even just opening our farm up to the public to be able to see a working farm and, and purchase from a working farm uh, adds tremendous value in understanding what what cir this circular model is and how it affects everybody and how our customers are making an impact as well. So for us, um, uh, one of the reasons that we loved what ProVision was doing was they're also helping us to tell our story and to fine tune our story and, and to help pull that story out from us because as farmers, um, we're not always storytellers. And so just having a clear, uh, a clear focus on, on where we're going with that to help consumers understand what we're doing really supports us. So that that's a perfect segue then into kind of the next piece to talk about. Um, as part of our food future, um, both of you worked with ProVision Coalition on a program called Our Purpose um, that's focused on embedding even more circularity into your business 
and I guess to some extent telling that story. Um, John, do you want to give us a brief overview of, of the program and some of your experiences working with Yorkshire and uh, Thatcher Farms? Yeah, absolutely, David. So very, very quickly, this is 18 months of work that we'll, we'll compact down to, I won't get it to 18 seconds, but I'll get it as close as I can. Um, so we start the journey by kind of getting clear on where the company is today. Because as uh, as we were just talking about, you know, circularity is the way that the natural system and the natural world operates. We've imposed upon it a linear system in the last 150 years, really, since uh, since the Industrial Revolution. And now we have to re-educate ourselves out of that linear system. So the first thing is to say, OK, so where are we are today? What's the baseline? And we look at that baseline from all sorts of ways, from uh, an operational baseline. We go into the, the facilities and look at things like food waste and, and operational efficiency and these kind of things. Um, we'll also look at uh, where the organization is from a, a human side in terms of how regenerative is the culture. Um, and then we gather all this data together and then we put a plan together to become more circular on the basis of each of these pieces that we've looked at. So the human side, the operational side, we look at the sales and marketing, the storytelling side, um, so that the companies are able to actively live that circularity. And remember, this is still a work in progress. You can't go to a store and sort of, you can't go to a bookstore and pick off the how to become a circular company in 10 easy steps. Yeah, it's not, it's not been done yet. So we're still evolving the, the, the space and the learning around this. Um, and, and doing it collectively. Um, and uh, then how do you tell the story and how do you then put in place the systems where if you say, okay, we're, we're going to reduce as part of our circularity goals, our, we're going to set some targets, reduce our GHG impact, we're going to improve our internal culture as part of that movement towards circularity. Well, what are the data points that you put in place to make sure that you can monitor, measure, and track? So it's about putting all that in place and um, empowering more than anything else, I think, a shift in mindset. And Christian spoke to this really nicely. It's like from the organic space of Yorkshire, that Yorkshire was, when we when we began working with them, was already in this mindset of how can we be doing more in this? So it's really about bringing more tools to support that kind of energy. And that's been the same working with Dana at, at Thatcher's as well. It's been a real pleasure for us and a privilege to uh, to work with both of these companies because we we learn and we're we're all we're all co-creating this together, David, um, and and that's what's so exciting about it. So so if I can flip it over, um, Dana and Kristen, I guess you know what have been some of the impacts of this work then with your companies? You know, are we thinking about efficiency or um, are there any other benefits that you maybe didn't expect coming into this process? Dana, do you want to go first? Sure. So we are we are just kind of at the at the beginning stages, or we're getting to the middle stages, I guess, where we are really diving deep into um, into the business strategy and the people side of things. And so um, we so so far it has been incredible um, to to be able to hone in on looking at what our culture really is and and what the people within our culture are feeling and seeing every day as as part of this and using them as um, as stepping stones to create something pretty cool um, that we can offer our, our customers. Um, so with, with provision, having a look at just even the business strategy and the operations, uh, looking at waste, that is something that we have worked actually really hard on over the last, I don't know, eight, eight years. Um, and it's not a huge issue within our business. So we're looking at other, other areas to try and implement with provision um, to bring to, to our staff. Awesome. Um, 
Kristen, how about uh, at Yorkshire? What were what were some of the results coming out of the work? And were they what you expected or was there something you maybe didn't expect? It's funny, you know, it's a great question because when we started this project, I thought this would really be a journey about the products. We'd be looking at, you know, ingredients, inputs, processes, food waste, as Dana said, packaging. But for us, it's actually really turned into a journey about people. Um, and so much of the work that we've done has been focused on, you know, how do we bring that circular approach and that thinking to our team? How do we embed that as a way of operating from a people side so that everybody is living that? And really the ideas and the solutions are going to come from those people because they're, you know, they're on the front lines making it happen. And so how are we bringing that circular mindset to our team? And that's actually where we spent the bulk of our thinking. We have done some great work on, you know, a water assessment that's allowed us to sort of figure out, we think we can save maybe up to 10% um, on our water usage each year. We're looking at food waste as, as Dana and the team are, but we're spending a lot of time sort of saying like, how do we get people excited about a different way of, of doing business? And in our case, you know, it's not actually just about us, but it's also about like, we kind of hope that we can change the food system. We're trying to, you know, sort of be a player in a bigger movement. Um, and the project has really been about inspiring us to be part of that. Cool. So it's a, it's a journey, not just a, not a destination and sort of building up your team for that journey sort of approach. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we, we, yeah, we are, we are in a journey, but we are excited about where it's going. Um, and, and really motivated to, to get there. That's awesome. That's really exciting. Thinking about, you know, building that movement that you kind of mentioned, um, Kristen, you know, we're constantly in this position where we're reaching out to more and more businesses, trying to pull them into this tent and into this kind of movement. Um, so, you know, as leaders in this space, um, what do you think some of the advantages are for food businesses to, to focus on sustainability and to circularity? Um, what, why do you think they should get involved in this? I think that people are increasingly shopping based on their values. They're looking to spend their money in ways that makes them feel like they're spending it, you know, with companies that are aligned to the way that they feel. So I think companies that continue to focus on sustainability are inherently showing that they care about things like environment, animal welfare, employee welfare, and then that will come through. You know, Dana talked about storytelling and that part of this project is, is not just figuring out what to do, but also to let people know what you're doing um, so that they can understand that. And so I think that this process is really allowing kind of the development of a competitive advantage through the, the trust and loyalty that comes with finding brands or companies, products that match up with what's important to you. Uh, and so for us, you know, that's a big part of, you know, as we make decisions along the way, thinking about how are we going to share this? Some of it we don't do to, you know, to, it's not about bragging. It's, it's more about we want people to know so they can ultimately make the choice that's right for them. We're not necessarily going to be the food product that everybody chooses. But if you do want to choose us, we certainly want you to know what you're buying and, and how we made it and who was involved and, you know, what happened along the way so that you can go, yeah. That's the food that I want to eat. And so, you know, how do we get that story out there? And Dana, what, what about you from a, from a family farm kind of perspective? Do you think the same thing holds true? Absolutely. Um, I think as farmers, we're focused on the farming. And so bringing all the things that we do on a daily basis to light that we take for granted or 
or that we don't even realize we're doing, um, you know, getting that out to the consumer so that they can make an educated, conscientious choice, um, whether it's, you know, like Kristen said, based on environment, based on animal welfare, employee welfare, all of those things. Um, so it definitely gives us that that advantage to to be able to present that to the world, what we're doing, the amazing things we're doing. Um, and it's, it's sometimes that's hard to to yourself put out there to your clientele. Mm-hmm. So it definitely, definitely provides an advantage for sure. John, is there anything you want to add in here kind of from what you're seeing with different, different clients along the food chain? Yeah, I, I think um, the sooner you do this, the cheaper it's going to be. Every company, every single food company at some point in this decisive decade is going to need to become more sustainable and circular because we just cannot continue to function with a system that throws away half of what it makes. Um, we can't get to 2030 doing that. It just it doesn't work. So everybody's going to have to do this. And the pressure from retailers is increasing. Um, the pressure from consumers is increasing. So I mean, my encouragement is to, to companies um, is to get on board and get this, get this done. And it, and it is a process. And yet it is a process that we all need to go through. We need to re-educate ourselves and we need to stand for a better way of doing business. And as Kristen said, you know, once you're clear on what you stand for as a company, then others can come and stand with you. But you've got to be really clear on what you stand for first. Um, and so, so this is work. It's not necessarily easy work. This is not something you can pick off a shelf. I mean, both Chris and Dana have talked about the human journey involved in this. It, it is a fundamental human journey. It is a way of thinking differently. But that's what we are called to do over the next decade. Um, and so the earlier you do it, um, the more competitive advantage you're going to be able to leverage and the more experience you'll have um, when everybody else joins the bandwagon. So you, you raised some, you some really good points there on that everybody's going to have to be going down this road. And a lot of people aren't because there are barriers and limits. And, and you know, speaking a bit selfishly as, as someone who's, you know, a policymaker, but thinking about other businesses and consumers, um, you know, what are some barriers that we're seeing out there too that, you know, we need to get over? And what do you think that, people beyond just food businesses like yourselves need to do to try and um, surmount them? So I think, um, I think one of the things is cost. And I think it goes back to education as well in, in really educating our customers uh, about what it costs to grow food in Ontario, in Canada, in North America. And um, that's, that will be a big part of our storytelling going forward. Um, whether it's in the trucking, whether it's in the growing of the feed, um, I often take the concept of it could be a pound of ground beef or one chicken breast. That pound of ground beef is, you know, years of sunlight and, and rain and, and good soil and all of the things it takes to get something to your plate. Um, so I think focusing on that education piece to our clientele and to the general public um, is only going to help us decrease those limitations and and have them understand what it takes to bring food to people's tables. It's a big job. It's a big responsibility. And there's a lot behind the process. And it's a fascinating process. So I think we really need to um, spread that, the magic of farming. 
and have people understand what it means to be a farmer in this day and age and the cost of it, because it is a big stress and it, it is a big capital investment in all those things. And when you can go to the grocery store and grab a box of crackers off the shelf or whatever it might be, um, there's not a lot of thought that goes into that. So encouraging that thought process and encouraging people to understand uh, the value of farming is as important. Kristen, do you have anything you want to add just thinking about, you know, barriers and maybe what we can do to help more companies join the fray? I mean, I think cost is a really interesting conversation because there's, you know, this conversation on the cost of food, but I think on the on the business side, on the operator side, there's the the idea of the cost of trying to be more sustainable. You know, and how does a business get over the barrier of sort of saying, you know, doing things the way they've always been done, doing things the sort of status quo, there's sort of a known cost to operating that way. To change that, to sometimes have to be a leader and go out there and like create processes that don't necessarily exist a certain way. You know, John talked about it. There's not a 10-step off-the-shelf solution. So there's cost of, of financial capital. There's cost of human capital to do it. Um, I do think in the end, it pays off for a whole host of reasons. We, we've touched on some of those here. But you know, as, as businesses think about it, I think programs like this, like the Our Food Future cohort, where there's access to financial support, as well as coaching support, because I think sometimes one of the biggest barriers is, I don't know how, I don't know how to do this. And that intimidation is the barrier. So just taking small steps, like little wins, finding those resources who can guide you through it, finding mentorship, talking to other companies that have started on their journey, generally, I don't know, my experience is farmers like to talk. Um, so, you know, if, if there's someone out there doing it, you talk to them and find out what they're doing. But but programs like this that are providing that financial support are also, I think, super important uh, to helping businesses just take that first step. And I think with every little win, it gets easier. And the momentum is there and the proof points are there and the people are excited and so it's just, it's a series of small steps and someday we'll all look back and go, oh, they seem like small things, but now, wow, what have we accomplished? That's awesome. And, and a perfect segue to, to turn it back to John to talk about um, a program that we are launching under COIL as part of our food future, working with ProVision. John, do you want to talk a little bit about um, the Repurpose Incubator? I do, David, and thank you for the opportunity. So yeah, this is a really exciting space because Food waste is, has been around as a conversation for, for a while. Um, and, and I think more and more companies have become aware of food waste and at least are sort of beginning to say, okay, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be throwing that away or maybe, maybe I can divert it at least. And, and, and the more and more we work in this space, the more companies tell us they, they really have programs now on food waste prevention. But a huge portion of the food waste that's generated in Canada is byproducts from making other things. If you're brewing beer, you need grain. And then what happens to that grain at the end? Uh, if you take the grain away, then you've got no beer. So you, you, you need that. Um, you want to make some juice. You need some vegetables. Um, and there's going to be some peel and pulp at the end. So um, we're really excited about um, the upcycling movement, which is about taking these byproducts and giving them a new lease of life. Because fundamentally, they're full of nutrients and, uh, and value. And so the incubator is going to be um, providing exactly that same kind of support that Kristen just talked about being so important um, to six companies who have byproducts or who have ideas or who have new technologies in this space so that we can create 
new value streams and new value chains um, with products that are currently going to waste becoming ingredients or maybe even new products themselves. And in that, creating some energy for other companies to see those proof points, to see the stories and to jump on board and go, you know what, that, there is an opportunity here for the byproducts in my company. So I'm going to begin to learn from the experience of others and see if I can jump on that particular bandwagon. So if you have a byproduct, uh, if you're a company, you've got a byproduct yourself, or if you uh, are a company who use byproducts and would like to be able to access more, uh, I'm going to give you a website to go to, which is coil, C-O-I-L dot eco dot E-C-O slash repurpose. So that's coil dot eco slash repurpose. And there you'll be able to find out more and apply for one of these uh, six positions before they all disappear, which they will do quickly. That's great. Um, thank you all for being here. This has been a very interesting conversation. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for all the hard work you're doing to build uh, the food system of the future. Thanks for having us, David. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. I'm David Messer, manager of COIL and part of the Guelph Smart Cities office team. And today's guest host of In Conversation with Our Food Future. Thanks for joining us. If you have any ideas for a show or comments, you can email us at foodfuture at guelph.ca. Until next time, let's take care and let's keep the conversation going on foodfuture.ca.